Hey, Refuge, how's it going, everybody? Hi. Hi. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad you're here. Most of, how many people have hung out at a pool at some point um, today or this weekend? Okay. If not, you should get on that. You don't have any school tomorrow. That's a good thing. And you only have two weeks left. Some of you guys are actually done in like a few days if you go to Lake Mead Christian Academy. Um, but two weeks left of school. Get excited about that. That's awesome. I want to jump right into now. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6 if you have a Bible. Hopefully you do. Um, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, um, you haven't heard that we've been challenging you to bring your Bible. We've been in a series called Own It. Um, very important series. Seriously, one of, if not the most important series I think we've ever done. Here's why. Um, and by the way, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you, go on our podcast, VegasRefuge.com. Download it because we're not going to have a time to recap anything we said in the last couple of weeks. But it's super, super, super beneficial, foundational. If you consider yourself a young Christian, a, a teenage Christian trying to follow Jesus in the world that we live in today, You've got to own your faith. That's the only way you'll make it. That's what we're saying is that when you own your faith and how we're saying that, if you're taking notes, is that owning it means to take responsibility. All right? Own it means to take responsibility. I think that's a slide back there. Um, Is somebody back there, Dietrich? Uh, Own it. To take responsibility. All right? That's what we're saying. When you own something, for instance, I have a son named Bryce. He doesn't do it much anymore, but he used to punch kids in the face in VIP. Um, Like, because we always roughhouse. purposefully like we do that on purpose we rough house i want my son you know my son to be tough because he's gonna be a worthington or he is a worthington he's not gonna be he is and uh he's gonna be really small and so i want to show him to be tough you know when big kids beat you up you got to be tough about it and uh but he he took that and uh he started punching kids in the face in our vip ministry and so when i would go to pick him up they would say um yeah bryce like he punched another kid in the face and here's what i had to do i had to own the fact that this you know abuser was my child because i had to take responsibility for him i give you some other examples and i want you to kind of see this in your own life that if you would say i am a jesus follower i am a christian it is your responsibility, not your parents, not your small group leader, not your pastor, not your best friend who you think is a better Christian than you. God has given you a relationship. It is your relationship with Jesus, and we have got to own it. And here's what we said is if you don't learn to own your faith, I, I believe, in, in, in this age range, right? Junior high and high school. If you don't learn to own your faith, what's going to happen is you're going to go into college. You're going to get out into the workplace. And if you don't have a firm foundation of, man, this is my faith. I own it. I'm taking responsibility for my relationship with Jesus. There's going to be a time when we come face to face with a decision. We're going to have to say, okay, either I believe this, I'm all in, or I'm going to walk away and and it's going to become one of those things that I used to do. And we've seen it for years and years and years and years. People who grow up in church or grow up going to a youth group, but they just kind of take the cues from their parents who drop them off every week or take their cues from the pastor up here or the worship leader. And then they get on their own and they're like, wait, I don't, I don't have to go to church anymore. I, I don't have to sit in a small group. I'm not forced to do these things. And if you don't own it, you fall away. You, you end up being in a place where you say, I'm not really in to that anymore. And so we take, we've looked at a few things. We've looked at last week. Um, part of owning it is taking steps in your faith. Part of owning it is um, asking the question, what is my next step? And hopefully this week you guys thought about that and said, okay, everybody has a next step. Every single Christian has a next step. What is it for you? That's some of the things we looked at. But tonight I want to look at a story in John chapter 6. It's not going to be on the screen. So um, that's why I want you to bring your Bible. Because it's a kind of a lengthy story. And so it's, it's a narrative we're going to read of the life of Jesus. And so if you have your Bible, hopefully you're in John chapter 6. I'm reading out of the NASB. Uh, if you have your Bible app, you can easily switch it. So um, it makes sense what I'm saying. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. We're going to jump right into the story. Here's what it says. 
After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Let's pause in the middle here. Here's the story. Jesus is starting to do some really cool things in the world. People are starting to get catch a glimpse of this guy. Last week, we looked at a story where he healed a blind man. This guy begged for years, and he was blind, and Jesus healed him. And so this guy, Jesus, is becoming kind of popular, getting a reputation. People are following him. So at this point, uh, we know in this story, there's literally thousands of people following Jesus, like that's, that's an entourage. You're walking around and there's a trail of thousands of people. And so he's walking and he goes to this place by the sea of, 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 of Galilee. And he, he looks out and he sees that there's thousands and thousands of people, probably about eight to 10,000 people on this hillside. And so he looks at his disciples and he says, um, what are we going to do about this? Cause these guys are hungry. They need to eat lunch. Uh, where are we going to buy food? He said this to test him because he knew what he was going to do. It was about a miracle about to happen. Some of you guys have heard this story. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That's about if somebody worked their butt off all day long, 200 denarii would be about what they, what they would earn. It's, it's equivalent to a day's wages. So 200 denarii wouldn't even, they wouldn't even have enough, uh, almost as crumbs is what he's saying. They would barely get any crumbs. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad, we don't use that language anymore, but it's a boy, it's a kid. There is a kid here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. Again, that's just men, not including their wives, not including their kids. Let's just say conservatively, eight to 10,000 people are on this hillside. Jesus says, have them all sit down. We're about to feed them the biggest lunch anyone's ever served. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Likewise, also of the fish, as much as they wanted. So not, hey, here's like half a fish. As much as you want, as much bread as you want. Verse 12, when they were filled, notice they ate until they're filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with uh, fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over. So out of the left, out of that, there was 12 baskets of leftovers. Therefore, when the people saw the sign, which he performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Here's, I want you to get this picture. All right. This is the whole story of tonight. And I want you to get this picture. There are eight to 10,000 people on this hillside. And Jesus says, what are we going to feed them? And the disciples, you know, they're super spiritual guys. They're walking with Jesus. They're the guys that are closest with the son of God who's come into the world. And they say, Jesus, you understand we don't have, this isn't possible. Even if we worked all day, we could barely buy enough bread to give these people crumbs. And then in, in verse in verse number eight, uh, we see, or verse number nine, there is a lad here who has five loaves. And so I, I got a little lunch, pal. You just imagine I'm the little kid with the lunch. All right, here we go. Uh, if you saw the tweet about fish, here we go. I'm about to pull fish out of here. So be ready, Patrick. I'm going to throw it at you or something. Uh, here's my five barley loaves. I bought um, the cheapest possible bread at, um, at Walmart. Um, this was uh, 88 cents. Um, but here's what I want you to know about this, because this is actually real, okay? 
this bread, as you research and you look at Bible scholars, the bread that Jesus, that this kid had, barley loaves, was the worst bread anybody could have in 2,000 years ago, Israel. This is like Walmart dollar bread. This is not really going to nourish you. Like if you eat this, it might look like nice and fluffy. Actually, it doesn't look kind of gross, but it, it, it might look like good. And maybe you're like a white bread kind of person. Um, it's kind of like that where it's actually garbage for you. It's not really going to sustain you. It might taste good, but it's the worst kind of bread that you could have. And this kid said, I don't have much, but here. And then of course he had fish. I'm about to open this. Um, hopefully that's cool. Somebody get ready. I'm going to make you a fish sandwich. Um, so get ready to eat it. Cadell? Okay. Cadell, volunteer. And it's going to really smell. First couple of rows, I apologize. I'm going to move this so you can see the, 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 the fish here. I'm trying to paint a picture. It smells awful. It smells awful. I'm making my lunch here. You got to imagine, this is happening right now. This is a kid. We're talking 8,000 people, and this is what he got right here. And, you know, five little, lar- you know, barley bows. And, and they say, maybe when the Bible, when you read about fish, you think like huge trout, big bass fish. No, the scholars say what it probably meant, especially a kid who had five barley loaves, so not good loaves of bread. He probably literally had sardines. And so I went to Walmart and spent $2 on some mackerel uh, in brine sardines. Um, and so I'm about to get one of those. Um, You getting the word picture yet? This really happened. This is Jesus. And then all of a sudden, boom, it blows up. And there's like a thousand of these things. So it really smelled nice on that countryside hill. Um, okay, Cadell, are you ready? This is, this is good. Um, are you ready, man? Come on, buddy. Get up here. Come on, Cadell. Give it up for Cadell. What a brave seventh grader we have here. Go ahead. Are you going to throw up? Okay, don't throw up. You, ate, you eat your mom's food? Hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast. That's the worst thing you could say as a son. Give it up for Cadell, man. That's awesome. Go ahead. You can take that back to your seat and finish it. Is it good? Okay, you can take that if you want. Here's why I did that. Not because I want to gross people out. Um, maybe that too. I want you to see this picture. This really happened, okay? This kid had nothing. He, he comes with his lunch. I don't know why he had a lunch, but he had a lunch that day. And, and for whatever reason, nobody else brought a lunch, but this kid was smart enough to get a lunch. And so this kid brings his little sack lunch, and he says, okay, Jesus, um, can you guys all smell it? Yeah. That's awesome. Listen close, all right? Because it, it, this is exactly this, we're creating the environment of that day on the hillside, all right? But listen, Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, disciples, you know, smart religious guys that I hang out with all the time. Let's do something to feed these 8,000, 10,000 people. And this one little boy gives his lunch really, really bad, cheap bread, really, really bad, cheap, smelly fish. And Jesus uses it. Basically, here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to try to understand. This kid took what little he had. And it was little, right? This is not good quality. You don't pay a lot of money. Thank you, sir. Um, you don't pay a lot of money to, uh, to get what I just, I literally went to Walmart and for a whole loaf of bread and this, I spent $2.97 and I only used five loaves and then whatever this little bag cost. This kid didn't have a lot at all. That's what I want you to try to get your head around. This kid had nothing. But whatever little he had, he put in Jesus's hand and said, it's not a lot, but I can give this. And even his disciples, as you saw in the story there, even the disciples said, yeah, this kid has this, but what 
what is that going to do for all these people? Jesus, I mean, come on, this, this, this kid has something small, but what is this going to do for all of these people? So here's what I want us to, to kind of see tonight is this really, really applies to our lives. Sometimes you blow by these stories. I know I, I, this is the first time, this, by the way, this story is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and only in John do we talk about the boy. But as we read this story, I think the boy is probably the most significant player in the story. Because if it weren't for the boy, there would be no food. Jesus would have to, and he could because he's God, but he would have to make out of nothing all this, all this, all this fish and all this, all this bread. But he takes this little boy's lunch and he says, here, multiply this, pass this out, and there's leftovers. People ate as much as they want. They're full of awesome food like Cadell is right now. Here's what I want you to see tonight, and we're going to talk about it for just a minute. Owning your faith includes giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Owning your faith includes giving your time, your talent, and your treasure. Here's basically what this kid was there. We don't know why he was there. He was either there following Jesus with these 8,000 people, or he was just maybe, just imagine you're hanging out one day, and you're just a kid playing by the lake, and all of a sudden you see this whole paparazzi of people, eight to 10,000. You're going to go over and see what's going on. You're going to kind of say, okay, I'm, I, was, I was hanging out. I was fishing. I was playing in the lake, but now I'm going to go see what is happening here. So he walks over, and we don't know why he was there, but he shows up, and the disciples notice him. He's got a brown bag, and he's got food. And Jesus said, we need to get a lot of food for these people. And this kid had, again, this kid didn't live in Anthem. This kid didn't, wasn't rocking the most expensive bread, the most expensive fish. This kid had nothing in comparison to what other people might have eaten back then. He, he had a Walmart lunch. And Jesus says, I can use that. Owning your faith. And I want us to see for us tonight... What does it look like for you to put what little you have in Jesus' hands and watch him use it to bless thousands? And maybe you think, that can't happen. You don't know me. I'm, not, I'm nothing special. Listen, this kid was nothing special. He's nothing special. There's four people saw the story happen, and only one mentions it. That's how much of a non-player this guy was in the story is only John says, I'm going to mention the kid because maybe he's significant. And he is because he took what little he had and he put it in Jesus' hands, and Jesus used it to bless thousands. And now for, for eternity, this is in the word of God as this kid gave what literally had and God used it. I want you to see, and that slide already went on the screen, but I want you to see something tonight, is everything that you own was given to you. That's the first thing I want to see tonight. We're going to unpack that a little bit, but it's never been just for you. I know some of you are in seventh grade and you're like, dude, I don't really own much. Like it, it took me six months to save up for the Xbox game or it took me however long to save up for that, um, whatever it is that you've been saving for. But I want you to know if you get this now as people that might not have much, maybe some of you seniors have more, you got a job, you're kind of making some money now. But if you get this now and it continues as you start making money and getting a career and having a family and getting a lot of stuff according to the world, if you understand that everything you own, I'm talking from your, 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 your possessions to your bank account, but not only that, not just material things that you can touch, but also what God's gifted you in. Man, what are you passionate about? What do you love doing? Maybe you're an amazing basketball player or you're a great artist or you're a great writer or you fill in the blank with whatever you love to do in your life. And when you think of hobbies, you would list, bop, 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 that's what I like to do. That was given to you. 
everything you have, somebody gave you. And we would say God has given us. Here's what the Bible says. Every perfect, every good and perfect gift comes from God. What does that mean? Everything that you and I love in our lives, everything that we would say is a, is a, is a, a possession that we love in our lives was given to us by God. But here's the, here's the thing that most people miss is it's never just for you. And I want you to try to understand that as you grow and you get older and again, as you start making more money and start getting more possessions, start getting more skills and people start looking at you as somebody, it's just what Pastor Tom talked about in the main service today. Hopefully if you haven't gone, make sure you go to 630. Is that even, even if you're at the top of the food chain in the world, you're not at the top of the food chain because there's always somebody greater than you. That's kind of what we're talking about here is everything about your life, your time, your talent, your treasure. And by the way, when we mean talent, we mean what you're passionate about, what you love doing, your hobbies, the things you, the things you life, your life is kind of aimed towards as well as your time, as well as your treasure or your possessions or your money. All that was given to you by God. Everything you have was given to you by God, but he has given it to you for a purpose. And we believe that purpose is for the kingdom of God. So I want to kind of unpack each of those things. What does it mean to use your time and talent and treasure as small as you might think it is and put it in Jesus' hands like the boy in John chapter 6 and watch him use it to bless thousands? What would it look like for you as a 7th grader at Del Webb or an 11th grader at Coronado to say, whatever I'm good at, whatever God has given me, whatever time I have, I'm going to put it in Jesus' hands. I'm going to say, God, you gave me this. Multiply it for your kingdom, not just for me. Although I love it, I enjoy it, I love being a part of this, I want you to use it maybe like you multiplied the bread and the fish in John 6. And God, maybe I wouldn't even see how much you use it. I might die and go away on this earth before I really see the full weight of what you've given me and how you used it. But I don't think a lot of you guys think that way. I know I didn't. A lot of you guys might think, you don't know me, man. I'm, I'm nothing special. Some of you are here tonight and you think you're really special and we got to talk to you too. But some of you guys think like you're God's gift to the world. But other of you guys think, man, I, how could God use me? I'm not very popular. When I go to school, people aren't following me around and wanting to know what I'm doing on Friday night. Or I, I don't really think I'm that talented. Some of you guys really think when you go to bed at night, I, what good am I to the kingdom of God? You hear sermons like this, you hear talks like this, and you think, man, what, what really could I do? Well, I want you to remember the kid in John 6. He had nothing. That's why I think John put that in there, is that they were barley loaves. I'm talking Walmart brand, cheap, nothing, and God used it. See, here's the, I, wanna, I want us to kind of look at our lives like a Rubik's Cube. Can anyone do this, by the way? Anyone, anyone rock this? Clay, you can do it. I would invite you. We don't have time for that unless you're doing, can you do it in one minute, less than one minute? No? Okay. <laughs> Loser. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. I, I don't know how to do this at all. I was online this week, like, doing one of those tutorials, and I'm, like, getting frustrated and almost throwing it out the window. I'm really bad at these. Uh, but I, um, I want us to look at this because right now it's all jumbled up, right? Just, just imagine this is, this, is, this is the world. And right now, each of these pieces don't really look like they're that important. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I, that's fine. I, I think there are people. I know that one popular kid at school, he's definitely important. Like he's the star football player. And so, of course, if he became a Christian and got super passionate about God, then people would follow. And maybe that's true. But I want you to know as a Jesus follower, here's what God's gifted you in. This is all over scripture. If you say, I'm a Jesus follower, man, I have a relationship with God. He has gifted you and given you certain things in your life and puts you in certain places in your life that maybe no other Jesus follower will ever go. 
Some of you guys are the only Christians in your family. Some of you guys are on the chess team. <laughs> you might be the only Christian on the chess team. Some of you guys really, really like that one class that nobody else in the school likes, but you, and maybe you even get made fun of it for it, but guess what? You might be the only person that loves Jesus that can shine a light in that darkness in that classroom. And so I want us to look at our lives like this, where right now, all these don't really look that significant. But if I invited Clay up here and he gave him a few minutes and he just started playing with all these, well, guess what? All of a sudden, every single piece on here comes, becomes very significant. Every, like right now, like this little random orange spot. That can kind of just fade away into the other colors all the while until you start morphing it and changing it and making it happen. And then all of a sudden, that orange piece becomes very, very significant to the whole picture. And here's what we know from Scripture. Is that God is orchestrating his kingdom. God is moving and shaping his kingdom for his glory and his purposes. And here's the deal. We're all spots on a Rubik's cube. If you're a Christian and say, I'm a spot on a Rubik's cube, I guess that's me. Well, maybe right now you're the random blue spot that doesn't really mean, mean much. But when God starts orchestrating and moving people in Coronado High School and moving people in Del Webb and moving people in your family, and he wants to invite people to his kingdom, all of a sudden this little random blue spot, when the whole picture comes together, is very important. Because if that random blue spot decided not to move, well, then the picture is not complete. Here's, don't misunderstand me. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need, hey, well, if you move, you're going to thwart God's plans and, and, and all of God's kingdom will be messed up. No, but that's what we talked about last week is that as we move in a relationship with God, as we begin to own it and we begin to move, God moves us into maybe a spot like this where we say, okay, God, I don't have much, but whatever I have, I'm giving to you. I'm going to put what little I have in Jesus' hands and watch him use it. Don't let the enemy deceive you that whatever you're into, whatever hobby you have, whatever you're passionate about, whatever maybe little area of your life that you don't think is a big deal, don't ever let him deceive you that it's not a part of the big picture of what God's doing in the world. Because we, we know from Scripture that God uses every believer in their sphere of influence to impact the kingdom. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, okay, God, whatever little I have, that's my hobby that... My brothers and sisters have always told me it's kind of lame. Or uh, that's the time that I spend doing this or that. And everyone's always kind of made fun of me for that. Or I've never really connected the dots between my hobby and my relationship with God. Well, maybe this connects the dots for you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Here's what it says. It's going to be on the screen. I love this verse. It says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. I love that because it says, and whatever. Now we could list a whole, a whole list of things right now. We could get a big whiteboard up here and we could start saying, okay, baseball player and chess player and person who loves to dance, a person who loves to write poetry and blah, 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 blah. But guess what? Somebody in the room would get missed. That's why I think Paul in Colossians didn't do that. He didn't write out, and maybe you do this, and maybe you do this, and this, and this, and this, 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 this. No, he just said a word that kind of encompasses everything. No matter where you are as a Jesus follower, whatever you do. Here's what that means for us is every single thing that God's gifted you with, your time and your talent, we can say, okay, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Here it is, God. I'm putting it in your hands. I want you to use it to bless thousands. 
Yeah, I'm going to benefit from it because I love doing it. I'm passionate about basketball. I'm passionate about writing music. But God, you are going to use me if I put it in your hands and I have the right perspective and I connect the dots between hobby and relationship with God, that God, you will use this for your kingdom for the big picture. And I believe this kid did that. He was there. He was willing. He put what literally had in Jesus' hands and God blessed it. And here's the kind of the next thing I want to talk about. Before I do that, actually, let me ask you a question. What are you passionate about? To apply this, to apply this to your lives. What are you passionate about? What do you spend your time doing? What are your hobbies? I want you to connect the dots between here's the list of those things. And as I'm saying that, you're thinking, this is what I love to do. This is what I spend my time doing. If, people, if you ask people at school, this is what they're going to say about me. Is this is what I'm about. I'm a sports guy or I am a music guy or I am a dance girl or I am this or I'm an artist or whatever it might be. Lay those out and I want you to connect the dots and say, okay, God, I want to do those as a, represent, a, a representative of you. Give it to Jesus. Watch him use it. I've seen that happen in my life. Some of you have seen it happen in your lives. What little you have, what little insignificant thing you think, you put it in Jesus' hands and he uses it. We begin to own our faith and we give God our time and our talent and also our treasure. We haven't really unpacked this for you at Refuge, so I want to try to do that in the next few minutes. Here's, here's the biblical truth, all right? Maybe you haven't heard this, especially if you don't go to main service, which again, I hope you do. But maybe this is your church in a sense, and Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Here's what I want you to try to understand, is it is a biblical, not just for old people who are rich, but it is a biblical mandate, a biblical thing that God gives us as Jesus followers to give and be generous with our money. Again, even in scripture, there's examples. If you think this is just for the rich people, well, guess what? Here's a few examples all over scripture, and you can look those up on your own time, of people who are poor, who gave out of their poverty, and Jesus said they actually gave more because they didn't give because they're rich. They gave because their heart was right t- towards God, and even though they were poor, they still gave. Why is that important? Because everything you own was given to you. Whether that's $10 in a savings account your mom started for you, or the guy who makes 1.4 million, lives in a mansion, owns four companies. Everything you own was given to you. And again, it's very important that you get this now because as you grow up, you're going to start making more money. You're going to start getting more influence. You're going to start getting more possessions. And if you don't get this now, that as a Christian, it is a biblical mandate that God says you are to be generous with the gifts and the money that I have given you. And we start living like this. We start holding everything in. And you meet Christians now, they're like, give my money. It's my money. I earned it. I came from zero to, I went from zero to everything. It's my money. It's my company. And yeah, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to give it. For what? The church? The kingdom of God? I'm going to put a a slide on the screen that Pastor Vance used a few months ago when we did a talk, a a series about, um, about generosity. It's that, it's that uh, beige slide, Dietrich. There it is. And it's hard to read. I'm going to read it for you. What if there was one activity that you could do? That will bring you priceless joy, benefit and bless others, meet your greatest need while at the same time meeting the needs of others, expand God's kingdom in Las Vegas, the West, and throughout the world, open up the windows of heaven and invite God's blessing into your life while at the same time allowing God's glory to be made known through your life. Result in eternal rewards for you and protect you from envy, jealousy, greed, materialism, and self-centered living. 
Those are all examples from the Bible of what we see when you're generous with your money, when you listen to what God says in his word and you begin, even if it's small, to give of, the, of what God's given to you. You say, God, it's on my fingertips. I'm giving it to you. Those are the things we see examples in scripture of what generosity and in, in, in the means of financial generosity, what those do for your life. And again, it's not about you, but it's about you saying, everything I have is given to me. But it was never just about me. Colossians chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 7 and 8. says, you must each decide. And this, again, this isn't for old people. This isn't for people who have a 401k. This isn't for people who have a steady job and get out of college and all of a sudden have a career and are married. This is to Christians. So if you're a sixth grader in the room and you love Jesus, this is for you. Or if you're a 12th grader getting ready to go to college, this is for you. You must each decide, own your faith in your heart, how much to give. Not if you should give, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. We don't have time to talk about it, and even if we did, you probably wouldn't believe me until you experienced it yourself. But the, the mentality that if I give and I'm generous and I, I trust God with my money, well, then I'm going to be broke and God's not going to take care of me. That's not true. Over and over and over in Scripture, just like Paul says here, God will provide generously all you need. There's stories all over the world. There's stories in our church. There's stories of leaders in this room that as you say, God, I'm going to trust you because everything I own is not just about me. It's, it's for your kingdom. I'm going to trust you with the little money that I have. God always, 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 always does his part. Always. When we give with the right heart to say, God, everything I own was given to me, and I'm going to give back to you financially. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to, I'm going to serve, like Melissa said, Melissa Gillespie, one of our leaders a few weeks ago, when she was just, she was just there uh, at a stoplight, and she saw that homeless person. God just pricked her heart and said, I want you to give. And does that mean you have to give to every homeless person? No. But sometimes God might say, I want you to give. When Ben gets up here and starts to sing in a minute, maybe God's saying, you've never given in your life. Maybe part of that is taking a step to start owning your faith and, and understanding that everything you own was given to you. And maybe some, some of you need to start giving. What does that mean? How do you start giving? I, wanna, I want you to just try to make it applicable here. Maybe for you, it's, it's one less application on your iPhone a week. Maybe you spend three bucks a week on, on apps. One less Two less, three less, five less apps. Maybe it's one less Starbucks every week and you say, God, I want to start to walk in the practice of biblical stewardship, even as a seventh grader, because again, this isn't just for old people who make a lot of money. This is for all Christians. I want to begin to walk in this. So I'm going to start giving up one Starbucks a, a week and give that to God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the offering at refuge. I'm going to put that in the offering in the main service. I'm going to give that to the homeless person. I'm going to be generous with the money God's given me because it never was just for me. Maybe you buy a lot of music on iTunes. Maybe this week you. You don't buy a CD, that new one that you really want. You wait a couple weeks to buy it, and instead you say, I'm going to take that $9.99, and I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to start to walk in this practice. And I want you to know this practice never goes away. If you get this now, I'll never forget when I first met Candace. Uh, I was a brand-new Christian. I did not give, okay? I was like, 
I was that guy. <laughs> you don't, you're going to give your money. I just like worked my butt off all week to make. And because I didn't understand, I hadn't begun to own my faith in this area yet. I haven't begun to grow. And she had said, and we're going to set it up for our kids, that from, from when she grew up and she was a kid, her mom always taught her, this is what you do. God gave you money, you give back to God. Maybe you never heard that. I promise you, maybe today you start in your mind saying, I'm going to begin that practice. God gave me money, even if it's five bucks a week for allowance. God gave me money. I'm to give back to God. And we're not going to go into the details here about how much to give and all that kind of stuff. That's important, but I want you to talk about that with your small group leader. I want you to grab somebody, a leader you trust in the room, and they can, they can walk you through that whole process because that's kind of a lot to go into, but the heart is really what matters. If you're like, how, how much... How little can I give God to still be good with him? Your heart's wrong. It doesn't matter how much you give, your heart's wrong. But say, God, you've given this practice for all Christians in the Bible to give. Maybe some of you need to start that practice. And you never have. And I would challenge you to say you never will probably. You don't just one day wake up after college and say, I'm going to start to be generous in my money. Now I'm like an established Christian. I'm going to start to do this. No. No. Candace did it. Why? Because her mom said, this is what you do. Bryce and Avery and our, and our next kid, if you had, I told you guys last week, Candace is pregnant. It's pretty exciting. We're going to have a third kid, okay? We're going to teach them you need to give. Why? Because God's given it to you, but it was never just for you, and he has called you in the word of God to be generous with your money. Whether that's $5 or $5 million, you are called as a Christian to give to the kingdom of God. Maybe you need to begin that practice tonight. We're going to have buckets up here in a little bit. And hey, I'm not saying you got to give to refuge. Maybe give, refuge is hope. So everything we put in the refuge offering goes towards the hope offering. But maybe you like to give with your family as a family. You give together. Or maybe you want to begin to give in other ways. But the heart of the matter is, are you generous with your money? Are you taking what little you have and putting it in Jesus' hands? He's going to use it to bless thousands. Don't brush past John chapter 6 and you see this boy who was willing to give five really, really bad loaves of bread and some nasty fish and God used it for all of eternity to speak to the fact that what little we have, we can give to Jesus and he can use it for huge things.